Welcome to Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley, and today we will continue our exploration of the second article of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, the words are, And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. In our last episode, we talked about the name Jesus and how that name is especially applied to the Son of Mary, our Lord. Uh, he is especially called Jesus, the Savior. Uh, today we will focus just on the word Christ as it's set forth in this uh, catechism. So as we always do, let's, let's first read the text and then um, we will uh, make some comments about it. So in, on, in my edition on page 35, we have the word Christ in, in, a, in bold letters and um, within quotation marks. So we begin. To the name Jesus is added that of Christ, which signifies the anointed. This name is expressive of honor and office and is not peculiar to one thing only, but common to many. For in the old law, priests and kings whom God, on account of the dignity of their office, commanded to be anointed, were called Christs. For priests commend the people to God by unceasing prayer, offer sacrifice to him, and turn away his wrath from mankind. Kings are entrusted with the government of the people, and to them principally belong the authority of the law, the protection of innocence, and the punishment of guilt. As therefore both these functions seem to represent the majesty of God on earth, those who were appointed to the royal or sacerdotal office were anointed with oil. Furthermore, since prophets, as the interpreters and ambassadors of the immortal God, have unfolded to us the secrets of heaven and by salutary precepts and the prediction of future events, have exhorted to amendment of life, it was customary to anoint them also. And so in that first paragraph, we see the catechism uh, laying out the duties of the, of the king. It, it says that a, a king principally, it belongs principally to the king, um, the authority of the law and the protection of innocence and the punishment of guilt. Those three things, law and the protection of the innocence and the punishment of guilt. And then it talks about prophets um, being as, as those who are the interpreters and ambassadors of the immortal God. And they unfold the secrets of heaven. And uh, to them belongs to the prediction of future events. And the uh, prophets exhort us to amend our lives. And so these were typically anointed because of the majesty of their office. Already we can see that the catechism is um, um, mentioning these, these sorts of the definitions or setting forth the duties of the, of the king and the prophet. Um, and we can already see that these things apply preeminently to Christ, and so therefore, um, to Christ our Lord. And so therefore, um, if they were anointed in the Old Testament, uh, all the more would Christ uh, merit to be anointed um, for these things. The Catechism continues, When Jesus Christ our Savior came into the world, he assumed these three characters of prophet, priest, and king, and was therefore called Christ, having been anointed for the discharge of these functions, not by mortal hand or with earthly ointment, but by the power of his heavenly Father and with a spiritual oil. For the plenitude of the Holy Spirit and a more copious effusion of all gifts than any other created being is capable of receiving were poured into his soul. This the prophet clearly indicates when he addresses the Redeemer in these words, 
Thou hast loved justice and hated iniquity. Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And that's a quote from Psalm 44, verse 8. The Catechism continues, The same is also more explicitly declared by the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me. He hath sent me to preach to the meek. Jesus Christ, therefore, is the great prophet and teacher from whom we have learned the will of God and by whom the world has been taught the knowledge of the Heavenly Father. The name prophet belongs to him preeminently because all others who were dignified with that name were his disciples, sent principally to announce the coming of that prophet who is to save all men. And so again, we can see that um, Christ was indeed the prophet of prophets. Every prophet in the Old Testament was, um, was sent, as it says, principally to announce the coming of, of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, so Christ, our Lord, is the, is the prophet of prophets. The Catechism continues, Christ was also a priest, not indeed of the same order as were the priests of the tribe of Levi in the Old Law, but of that of which the prophet David sang, Thou art a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. This subject the apostle fully and accurately develops in the epistle, in his epistle to the Hebrews. And finally, the Catechism concludes this section, saying, Christ, not only as God, but also as man and partaker of our nature, we acknowledge to be king. Of him the angel testified, he shall reign in the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. This kingdom of Christ is spiritual and eternal, begun on earth but perfected in heaven. He discharges by his admirable providence the duties of king towards his church, governing and protecting her against the assaults and snares of her enemies, legislating for her and imparting to her not only holiness and righteousness, but also the power and strength to persevere. But although the good and the bad are found within the limits of his kingdom, and thus all men by right belonging to it, yet those who in conformity with his commands lead unsullied and innocent lives experience beyond all others the sovereign goodness and beneficence of our king. Although descended from the most illustrious race of kings, he obtained this kingdom not by hereditary or other human right, but because God bestowed on him as man all the power, dignity, and majesty of which human nature is capable. To him, therefore, God delivered the government of the whole world, and to this his sovereignty, which has already commenced, all things shall be made fully and entirely subject on the day of judgment. And so there we have the conclusion of this section in the Catechism devoted to the word Christ. And we can see that the Catechism compellingly makes the case that Jesus, our Lord, was the Christ of all of those who were anointed in the Old uh, Testament and, uh, and uh, even um, after Christ himself uh, deserved this anointment. And he wasn't anointed with, um, with earthly oil, but with the, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, as it says. And so here we might just make a quick comment from a literary point of view. Um, there's a literary figure of speech known as Antona Masia. 
Um, and antonomasia is the figure of speech whereby we um, apply a name to one member of a class or one member of a species or a group to which the name especially belongs. And we, we give that individual the name of the whole group. So for example, of all of the philosophers that existed, St. Thomas Aquinas calls Aristotle the philosopher. Um, Aristotle uh, was preeminent among philosophers and so he uh, inherits the name the philosopher. So when, anytime when we say the philosopher, we think of Aristotle. And in the same way, when uh, we say the apostle, um, we think of St. Paul. He seemed to be, um, uh, he seemed to merit that name even more than the 12 apostles. Uh, St. Paul was not one of the 12, but nonetheless, we call him the apostle. And this again is by this figure of speech known as Antonomasia. And so of all of those, Christos, uh, the Greek word Christos means anointed as we know. Um, of all of those who are anointed, whether anointed as a priest, anointed as a prophet, or anointed as a king, Christ inherits that name uh, by Antonomasia. He is the Christ. Uh, because he is preeminent among above all uh, the anointed. And so we call him the, the Christ, uh, Christos. And so these two words that we've dwelt on, uh, the name Jesus in the last episode and the name Christ, um, are so significant in this second article of the Apostles' Creed. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, um, that I thought it would be worthwhile just to devote an episode to each one of those. And so that is the conclusion of this uh, part of the Catechism. Uh, we will continue and finish up Article 2 of the Apostles' Creed. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and um, I hope that you will join me next time as we discuss the final words of the second article of the Apostles' Creed the words, His only Son, our Lord, and we'll uh, talk about uh, the meaning of those words as it is explained fully and eloquently in this beautiful catechism. So thank you for joining me in this episode of Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley, and I look forward to uh, discussing these next words with you in our, in our next episode. Thank you.